0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Yes, I have returned off and running on this Monday, March 9th. Good morning. Did you miss me? All right. Well, never mind then. Uh, But I'm back. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. I mean, lots on the docket today. One hour, 60 minutes to run through it all. So let's roll, of course, the number you know, one 800 919 ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question, up and running. But I am back, ready to roll after a few days down in Florida. I walked into the belly of the beast, my friend. No, I'm not talking about Florida, man. I walked into an airport. Germ ground zero. Walked in, walked out. I can tell you I feel fantastic. All this coronavirus is going around. Everybody's terrified. People in the airport terrified. You walk through an air. I'll tell you, maybe it's just the time of year. The, the plane was packed that I was on. But the airport, it was like a ghost town. I, I expected to see tumbleweed go blowing by. And I'll tell you, I walked into the germ belly of the beast. Didn't have any toilet paper on my person at all. And apparently, I don't know why, nobody's been able to explain, despite all the coverage, what is with the toilet paper? Why is everybody hoarding the toilet paper? How does that play into the coronavirus? Is, is the coronavirus, is it defeated by toilet paper? I'm not, I'm not really sure the connection between the two. But two airplane rides, four airports, corona-free. People will point out, well, have you been tested? Nah, I can tell. And then other people will say, well, you know, there's an incubation period of like two weeks. Sorry, people. I know my body. The only takeaway, the only takeaway anybody really could have is that clearly I am immortal. But lots happened while I was away. The biggest event, I guess you'd have to say, is that the Yankees' days without an injury counter is back to zero, my friends. And much like... The news when it came down about Severino, my takeaway, you remember it was, it's disappointing, it's infuriating to a certain degree, but it's not surprising. The word you cannot use to describe what happened with Aaron Judge, surprising cannot be the one you go to. Shocking cannot be the one you go to. And I guess it was Friday we finally got the word. It's a stress fracture in his rib. So after dealing with pain in the shoulder, then people saying that it was part of the, the, the chest muscle. Finally, it was unearthed by a CT scan. Now, he originally suffered the injury last September. Back in September, on the 18th of September, dove for a ball, didn't play the following day, underwent an MRI that did not uncover the uh, problem. He had some discomfort. It was treated with an injection. And now he is going to undergo, he's going to rest, I guess, and he'll undergo another CT scan in a couple of weeks to see if the rib is healing. And you better hope that it is. Or you better hope that at least it's getting somewhat better if it's not completely better in two weeks. Because the estimates for a fractured rib range from anywhere between three to six months for a a rib stress fracture. Now, it happened last September, but he's not been resting the entire time. And the real worry is that surgery is a possibility. And keep in mind, surgery would be to remove the rib. I am not a doctor, clearly by my rundown of my coronavirus preparations. But removing a rib seems like it is an extreme measure and it's so extreme and you know it's so extreme because the yankees wouldn't even give you a timetable for if he were need to need surgery that tells you how bad it is and it would make sense right like swinging a bat after removing a rib seems like it would take a long time now i don't know if that it would be the entire season but it would be a good, a good majority, a good chunk of the season. After all, Adam from Adam and Eve never the same after removing his rib, never. So the prognosis is not good. Why is it not good, Gordon? It could be. See, it could be covered in a couple of weeks. He could be on the road to recovery. Well, I know this is part of my nature as a person, but color me skeptical. Let's run it down. He suffered the injury in September. He felt it in off-season workouts. He felt it when he showed up at spring training. And now, suddenly, two weeks, two more weeks, it's going to be taken care of. Much like while we were waiting for a diagnosis, I told you, it's pretty unlikely they're going to come back and say, well, you know what? Turns out it's nothing. Turns out no big deal. He'll be fine a couple of days. It seems very unlikely to me that in a couple of weeks, all of a sudden, this issue that he's had since September, that normal estimates are anywhere from three to six months for a recovery period, that now in in just two more weeks, all of a sudden, he's going to be ready to roll. And maybe the worst sign of all, In this entire thing, and maybe why I'm so skeptical is, is that the Yankees somehow think that it will improve in two weeks. And at this point, you would have to say, if you're banking on previous history, whatever the Yankees tell you is the course of treatment for an injury, if it's one of the first diagnoses that they come up with, it's almost certainly going to be wrong on the optimistic side. I mean, when was the last time they got one of these right, right from jump? Certainly wasn't the case with Paxton. Certainly wasn't the case with Severino. And it doesn't feel like it's going to be the case with Judge. It is mind-boggling how this continues to happen. And it's starting to feel a whole lot like last year. Severino had an issue last year, dates back to last year. Paxton issued that dates back to last year. And now here's Judge. And there's no other way you can say it. Even as a huge Yankee fan, it's completely unacceptable. Aaron Judge is the Yankees' biggest star. He is their most valuable offensive player. He has a history of injuries. There's no other way you can say it at this point. Three years. In a row, if something happens three years in a row, that's not a trend. That's just fact. And Aaron Judge has missed a hundred games in the last two years combined. And he's going to miss some this year. You know that for a fact. He had an injury that it took you six months to correctly diagnose. I'm sorry, it's hard. It's hard to have any faith that this diagnosis is going to be the right one, considering you never seem to get them right off the bat. So now you're kind of left to hope and pray. And for the Yankees, hopes and prayers feel about as effective as their medical treatments. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So the judge stuff is on the table for you if you want to get in on that. I didn't get a chance to do it on Friday, obviously. It came after the show would have been aired anyway, but uh, we weren't here on Friday, so couldn't do it then. So if you want to get in on that, one 800 I thought about going with some sort of judge poll question today, but since it happened on Friday, I felt like maybe it was a little too dated. So we decided to go with something else, which happened over the weekend. The very surprising, I guess some would say shocking, I think fair shocking, news that Kenny Atkinson, fired by the Brooklyn Nets, they will say, or they did say, that they've mutually agreed to part ways. They generally say that after someone's been fired. So our poll question, which is up for today, Saturday, Kenny Atkinson shockingly fired by the Brooklyn Nets. Should Atkinson be the number one name on the Knicks list when they go looking for a new head coach this offseason? And you have to assume, despite last night's win, that they will go looking for a new head coach after this season is over. So that's the poll question. You certainly can get on that on the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. one 800 3776 We have other stuff to do today. We have one week until we unveil the bracket the gordon damer show movie bracket and i did a lot of work while i was away it was not a long period of time and trust me this trip did not go according to plan when you travel with kids you never know what's going to happen and these kids were were ruining my life on this it was 3 days and they could not stay out of trouble for more than 10 minutes so I was able to say to my wife, "Sweetie, got to do stuff for work. You deal with this one over here. I got to figure out who's the number four seed. <laughs> I got to figure out who the number one seeds are." But I did a lot of work on that, so we can uh, maybe touch on that a little bit as we get closer to unveiling the big movie bracket. We got the the Knicks with a win last night. You got the Nets news, and we're actually going to talk about the New York, the Brooklyn Nets coming up from vacation and as i said um, uh, the, the the vacation was short but it was uh, eventful first day you know you have we were staying at a big uh high-rise hotel right and you have a sliding glass door that goes out to the patio looks out on the ocean first day my daughter runs into the glass door she's like a bird she didn't realize the glass door was closed bangs her head off the uh off the glass door so we're dealing with that Worrying, oh, she have a concussion? Is she acting normal? Is she all right? That day, my son goes out. I don't know. We put a ton of sunblock on him. Still got burned. So he's dealing with a sunburn. She's dealing with a head injury. Next day, we say, all right, let's take him down to the beach. Maybe they'll, you know, kill some time down at the beach. My son's skipping rocks into the ocean. You know, skipping stones, you know. He likes to throw all the time. So my daughter starts doing the same thing as him. Hits him in the head with a rock. Now he's got a giant cut on his head. <laughs> we got two head injuries in two days. I said, this is unbelievable. And the third day, bird pooped on me. So I got to play the lotto today. It was a very eventful trip in a short period of time. I said, what was that? Oh, it was a bird just crapping on me. All right, fun trip, fun times. But it was like 75 degrees every day. You know what? I would take a bird crapping on me every day if it's 75 degrees. Every day, 75, but bird poop on you. And it was a small, it had to be a small bird. It had to be like a pigeon. It could not have been like one of those big seagulls or whatever they got down there. But it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, a poll question, which is up for today. It's on Twitter. It's at uh, Gordon Damer. As you know, he couldn't have forgotten already. It's all about Kenny Atkinson. Fired by the Nets. Should he be the number one name on the list? Well, let's start here. Because it was pretty shocking news when you saw it. And let me be clear. The following section of the show is not really about the Nets. It is, but it's not. Because when it comes to the totem pole of New York sports interest, the Nets are, you know, near the bottom. So it would be disingenuous of me to sit here and not really focus on the Nets at all, not really talk about the Nets at all, and then start to yell and scream and and do all these things about something that I don't really care that much about i'm interested in it but you know we don't spend that much time on it for a reason and the reason is you don't care about it all that much some of you do but very few but i have been made to pay attention to it to a certain degree because not about the nets per se but the coverage of the nets and that to me has been far more fascinating than the actual team the coverage. Well, what has been the coverage? Well, you know. The Nets have been pointed to as this model organization. They're incredible. The culture that they're building in Brooklyn. The program they're building in Brooklyn. They're like the San Antonio Spurs East. Well, I think it's safe to say. And I'm sure we'll get more details as this goes along here, right? What happened? How did this thing? They just gave the guy a contract extension not that long ago. It was not that long. It was last summer. We've not even had a second summer since last summer when Kevin Durant was telling you about how he was watching videos on YouTube about Kenny Atkinson. And loved the way he was talking about this and that. And that that was one of the reasons why... He decided to sign with Brooklyn. So Mike Vaccaro of The Post tweeted out, the Nets can now stop with their sanctimonious poems about culture in one of the articles that he wrote over the weekend. And I would just say, well, I'm sure the Nets did talk about culture, but was it really the sanctimonious poems about culture? Was that the Nets that was doing that? Or was that more the media? Because it feels like to me that was focused on and touted a lot more by the media. And one of the reasons for that is because they were so willing to accept it because they hate the Knicks. And we'll get to the Nick fan reaction to it in a second. But I said last year, everybody was in agreement. The Nets did deserve credit for winning 42 games. They deserved credit for not throwing in the towel when they could have at 8-18 eight and 18 when Karis LeVert went down. But the that was what everybody agreed on. They deserved credit for those things, for making the playoffs, for not tanking, all those things. We all agreed, so much so every conversation on radio shows, Newspaper columns, TV shows, every segment everywhere started with, you gotta give the Nets credit. So we were all in agreement. We gave them credit. But the bouquets that were thrown their way, like they had this budding juggernaut, was so overblown. Every conversation. Multiple times. You got to give them credit. We all give them credit. And, you know, there's a quote. Journalism is what someone does not want you to print. And the rest is just public public relations. It feels like so everybody was so willing to just jump on the bandwagon of a team that won 42 games in an Eastern Conference where more than 25 percent of the teams were tanking. And most of the time it was pointed to as, as not as, as this shining example, but also as a roundabout way to point to what a joke the Knicks were. This idea that the Nets had this culture, this program that they were building and this is the blueprint went out the window the day they went out and signed KD and Kyrie. And it really should not be that big a surprise, right, that this was the next move. We all agree it's a stars league. And it's not just that you you win with stars. When you go out and sign guys like KD and Kyrie and you get them to come to your organization, you have to turn your organization over to them to a certain degree and not just to a certain degree, to a large degree. So everybody's trying to figure out now, oh, who's running the show? Who's running the show? Well, we know it wasn't Kenny Atkinson. And we know it's not Sean Marks either. Now, this is not a criticism of going out and getting those two guys. Plenty of other organizations would have done the same thing. But don't tout me one thing and then go do the other thing and expect that it's still the first thing. Plenty of organizations would have done the exact same thing. The Knicks would have. They never got the chance. But now the Nets are now attached to these two superstars who they are indebted to, who are clearly running the show. And you'd have to say are injury prone. Well, Gordon, you know, it was never about this season. That's true. Nobody was expecting championships this season. But it doesn't mean the disaster had to be this big. And this season has been a disaster. So now they'll spin it as a mutual decision, and the players had nothing to do with it. Well, as other people have brought up, if the players, and not just the players, the main players, the two big superstars, if they wanted him to be here, he would be here. There's no other way around it. And it's shocking to me. <laughs> I say shocking with a little nink, nink, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Kyrie had nothing to do with it. But what a shock. Just so happens there's already reports of who he would be interested in now as the next head coach. Wow, this is so shocking. But uh, now that it's happened, uh, I'd like Tyron Lue. <laughs> wow, it just so happens you have a name on the tip of your tongue that you're ready. What a surprise, as you're about to have your seventh head coach in nine NBA seasons. So who will be the next head coach? That was a question that people were raising. Does it really matter? All you need to know about how important the next head coach is was a quote yesterday from Jacques Vaughn, who is serving as the interim coach, I guess, for the rest of the season, about what his role as a head coach is. This is the quote, quote, it's a service business. I'm serving these guys. I'm just a vessel. That tells you who's running the show. And clearly it's not going to be Jacques Vaughn. But it shows you just what level. The players, they had nothing to do with this. Come on. I mean, who are we kidding? Please. So that's the Nets part of it and the Nets coverage part of it. The fact that everybody everywhere in the media was so, oh, my God. Wow, what a program they're building. Well, it couldn't have been that great of a program that they were building if they went and took what they were doing and completely changed it in the with the chance in the offseason. And there were again, plenty of teams would have taken the same shot, but don't 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 misconstrue it now. There was a completely change of attitude and approach in the offseason. And then there did the Nick fans because they relished the oh my God When I talk about what sportsport is like for Nick fans, Kenny Atkinson getting fired by the Nets over the weekend. Ah, they were just bathing in it. It was such great news to them. And and why would they relish it? Well, they don't have anything to relish on their own, right? The overly positive news with the Nets was a bit much. But, you know, Nick fans, when Kenny Atkinson got fired, that didn't get you any more wins. That didn't make you any... Less of a mess. And Knicks fans will be quick to point out the negative coverage of their team. Well, the negative coverage of your team happens not because people go into it hating the Knicks as much. There are some. But it's because your team stinks. They stunk last year. They stink this year. They're a laughing stock for a reason. Now the Nets are having a mess of a season on their own, and having their plan go sideways, while you might relish it, does not get you any more wins. Well, Gordon, but if this were the Knicks, it would be a much bigger it would be much bigger news. Yeah, it would. A, you have a longer track record of making a mess of things, and B, be thankful. People really care about your team. There was a reason, and there is a reason, why every time the Nets get brought up, there is an attempt, at least somehow, to tie it into the Knicks. It's because people realize the Knicks get eyeballs and the Nets don't. 1-800-919-ESPN, 800 The poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter, it's at Gordon Damer, Kenny Atkinson, should he be the number one name on the Knicks list when they go looking for a head coach this offseason? Well, I would say absolutely. And I would say absolutely for a reason. Now look, again, I'm not watching Nets games in in and out, but it seems pretty clear Kenny Atkinson has a very good skill set of developing talent. Whether or not, and he's not going to get the chance with the Nets, whether or not he can coach superstars, it remains to be said, the evidence is not exactly overwhelming positive from the superstars' point of view, right? I mean, he didn't even get a chance to, to coach the super. He coached Kyrie for 20 games, and he didn't coach Kevin Durant at all. So maybe he is a coach that can take you from a certain level and take you to another level, but he's never going to get you to the top level. Well, good news for the Knicks. You're nowhere close to the top level. And if you were to go out and bring this guy in, I think that he does have a track record of being able to develop talent. And the Knicks would seemingly have some talent on their roster that could be developed, some young talent. I don't know how much of it could be developed, but I, I feel pretty confident if there is one person to go out there and get, this would be the guy. More so, if you were a believer in the Knicks' young talent, this should be the guy you'd want more than Tom Thibodeau, more than Mark Jackson. And I would feel much more confident in going and getting this guy than I would in those guys. Those guys are much more win-now kind of guys. The Knicks are not win-now. It doesn't really matter what happens in this offseason. You're going to have another draft pick. You're probably not going to sign any marquee-free agents, mainly because there are no marquee-free agents, and marquee-free agents really aren't all that interested in you right now. So I would rather, as I've said a thousand times before, I would rather build it the right way than the fast way or the quick way. So this move would seem to make all the sense in the world, and that's probably why it won't happen with the Knicks. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, so judges on the table you have the uh, Knicks and the Nets on the table if you want that as well. 1 800 919 ESPN. Let's squeeze a couple calls in here before the break. We'll go to James in Staten Island. James, what's going on, with man?
0: Hey, good morning, Gordon. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to be very popular with the Yankee fans or my friends after what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Um, I think it's time to trade, Judge. What do you think? And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. And I, my reasons are better than anybody that could tell me why not. Okay? First of all, I know this kid's great, but. Ben number one. Number two is he's an awkward body. You could say he's a big boy and, he, and he's just awkward, Gordon, and he doesn't belong in the number two hole. I'll keep saying that till someone gets smart and understands. Wow. The kid doesn't play. If he doesn't play and you turn around and you should trade this kid, number one, you got to ask yourself, what would you get for him? And you should get a lot, including another arm, okay, and a decent outfielder. You don't need this kid. You've won without him already. Well, I mean, mean, you've
1: you've won without him. I mean, he, he has missed significant time, right? He's missed 110 games the last two years. You are not trading Aaron Judge. First and foremost, he's hurt right now and might need surgery. And I would think if he needs surgery, he's probably going to miss a good portion of the year. Like, we were floating the idea before the diagnosis came down, like, If you had him back by the All-Star break, would you take that? Because the uncertainty surrounding the injury, the fact that they're doing all these tests, couldn't find anything. I think right now, if you have him back by June 1st, that would be a miracle. And that's, what, probably 50, 60 games. But no, I don't think you're going to be trading Aaron Judge. I don't think that's one of the ways the Yankees are going to go. Lewis and Whippity. Lewis, what's going on, my man? (laughs) <laughs> How you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's going on? Oh man, uh, listen, the XFL, man. No, man, no, you no, you know, no, no. Do no, not go no, with XFL. The last no. time you called, you made two of the most ridiculous points ever. No, I didn't. Don't start no. with XFL. Wait, Let's just go there. Wait, wait, all
0: right. Wait a second. What do you mean ridiculous point? You were just complaining about Aaron Judge being hurt. I yes. told you. Yeah, you trade said the trade. Him. Do what you can. Yes, and so and now right. like, just slowly hey, start coming do around. Hey, you have any
1: interest? This guy's gonna—he—he's missed the 50 games the last two <laughs> years. He has some rib injury. We're gonna have to remove the rib. Hey, what what will you give it for us when when we're sitting here on March 9th? Gordy, like I like I said at the time, while you still can trade him and get what you can for him, the kid just is Just cut ties. Yeah. All right. Well, look, he might be. He, look, if he's if he's gonna miss. We don't know this, but if he's going to miss 20, 30, 40 games this year with whatever treatment that's going to re- be required to fix this, yeah, he is injury prone, but you're not going Have you ever heard of, of of sell high and buy low? You don't you don't sell low and buy high. That's not generally a a, a, a successful approach. If you were going to trade him, you have to trade him when he's healthy. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to Florida and get burnt poops on me some more.
0: LeBron James directing traffic inside a half court. Marcus Morris awaits at the three-point line. James, try the blow by again. Lamb, good, in the foul! LeBron James, a chance for three, and might have just sealed the Lakers' first win this season against the Clippers.
1: Alright, so there you go. Moment of inspiration for today. LeBron and the Lakers getting a win against the Clippers. have been 0-2. It's amazing how we have a promo running on the station. This is as wide open as the league has ever been. Yeah, the Lakers are the favorites. (laughs) <laughs> the team that has LeBron James just so happens to be the favorites once again. But there you go. Your moment of inspiration for this Monday morning, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Our poll question for today, Nick-related after their win against the Pistons last night. But also there was one other story that came about, uh, I guess it was was it Frank Isola that had it? I think it was, saying that the Knicks are doing their research on the possibility after this season of adding Chris Paul. Well, I'd like to think that the Knicks are doing their research on just about every player in the NBA and whether or not there's a, you know, what's the best move forward. And Chris Paul is a name that I have actually brought up in the past when, his, when he was getting moved from the Rockets. And if the Knicks had been smart, that would have been the time to add Chris Paul because you would have also been able to add... Assets to that deal for taking back a bad contract, which clearly Chris Paul at this age, and next year he'll be 35, making $41 million and is even signed for the following season, the 21-22 season, where he will be making $44 million. So I don't know what the deal would look like. It's at the initial stages, right? And Chris Paul can still play to a certain level. But the time to have acquired that contract would have been before now. And that would be a smart way for the Knicks. It's all well and good to say you've got this many draft picks moving forward. I think you have five and seven years or something along. Seven and five years? Or seven? One of them. One and the other. Keep building assets. And I don't know what it would take to acquire Chris Paul. I that think that, um, that mainly that the Thunder would just want out from that contract if they're, they're willing to move them, But that's not a, a necessarily a move that unless you're getting something along with that taking of the contract, that should be the goal. It's not so much about Chris Paul, but whatever other asset you're able to acquire along with it. But our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer is about uh, Kenny Atkinson getting fired by the Nets over the uh, over the weekend. And should that be the number one name on the Knicks list when they go looking for a new head coach? And despite the win last night and despite the the work that Mike Miller has done, I would expect with a new team president and you would think maybe a new GM, new advisors within the organization that the Knicks will probably make a move here after the season is over. And Mike Miller, maybe he'll be brought back as an assistant coach. Maybe he can go someplace else. The Knicks will have a new long-term solution at head coach. And for me, Kenny Atkinson would be probably the number one name on my list. I want to build this the right way from the ground floor, because that's where the Knicks are right now. They might be in the basement. They might be in the sub-basement. there's something even lower than a sub-basement, the crawl space, they might be in the crawl space. And if you have any faith whatsoever in the young talent that is currently on the Knicks, Kenny Atkinson has shown a bit of a track record of being able to do that. That would be I would think if you were looking at the positives of Kenny Atkinson, I don't think that he's necessarily the greatest game caller in the world, right? It seems like from the the, the reputation of people around the league, sometimes his rotations have not exactly been the greatest coming out of timeouts, not necessarily the best. But when you take a look at the players that the Nets have been able to develop without premium picks, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell when he was here, Joe Harris to a certain degree, I think you would have to say that he does have a pretty good reputation in that. And if you believe in the young talent at all that the Knicks have, that would be a guy that you would certainly think, okay, put him with that. And maybe he's only able to get you to a certain level. Maybe he's not the right head coach in all situations. But the, the the thing with the Knicks right now is they got a long way to go. And they have to develop if you're going to build a winner, you're not going to be able to do it simply by getting free agents. You're going to have to develop something. Even if it is just to make it, to, to be appealing to free agents. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1 800 919 ESPN. Reggie is in Hillside. Reggie, what's going on, my man?
0: Hey, uh, good morning. Listen, I I, I missed the poll question, but my, my point is this after watching the Clippers and the Lakers game yesterday. Here's what I'll say. The Clippers and the Lakers, their second team would beat the Knicks first team, both of them. And both teams have coaches on their bench that are better than what the Knicks have i take Jason Kidd or Tyron Lue over what the Knicks have. Uh,
1: well, I mean, the Knicks got rid of their coach. So it was an assistant. Look, nobody is going to – I don't care who you get as the head coach under the current circumstances with the talent the Knicks have, nobody is going to win consistently. Not Jason Kidd, not uh, Tyron Lue. I don't care whoever else they have.
0: Okay, they're they're a terrible saying, roster. It is. But you're saying about Kenny Atkinson, why wouldn't we just take Mark Jackson who – already has a history of creating players and making them superstars.
1: No, he didn't make them superstars. They weren't superstars until after he left. Steph Curry Wait was not a, a superstar. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Steph Curry was whoa, not a superstar okay, until he, after but, Mark but Jackson do think, left.
0: Do you think that Mark Jackson had something to do with him developing to what he became? Because let, let, Not as let's much as honest. Steve Kerr. I don't know. I debate that because... I don't think that Steve Kerr came and turned on a switch and then Steve Stephen his Curry, offense was much more
1: it, w- it was much more uh, wide open than uh, Mark Jackson's offense was. I mean, just go back and look. I mean, the, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. Steph Curry was not a superstar until the the, 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 the the Warriors moved on from Mark Jackson. Now I'm not saying that Mark Jackson doesn't deserve another chance. I'm not saying that there's not situations where Mark Jackson would probably excel. But Mark Jackson to me is a guy who will come in, maybe set the defensive mindset to a certain degree. That would not be the, the way that if I were the Knicks that I would end up going. The Knicks have a lot, and I would same thing with my uh, with uh, Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau certainly has a reputation of being able to get guys to play defense and all these type of things, and install a, I guess a culture and a mindset. Knicks are not anywhere close to th- that area. The Knicks have to develop something first. They're not ready to win now. Those two guys, to me, are win-now coaches. The Knicks are not win-now. they are win, hopefully, somewhere down the road. Win later. They should be able to win more soon because they just don't win really a lot the last few years. So there's a lot. I mean, the Knicks are at ground zero, guys. They're not, it's not like they're going to go get some coach and all of a sudden, whoa, look at how great the Knicks Knicks are a playoff contender. Their roster is not very good. And whether or not there's anything salvageable on the roster depends on whether you can get somebody in here who you can trust knows what's salvageable and not and is able to develop guys to a degree of Advance them from where they are right now. So I mentioned a couple of things that happened while I was away. You have the Aaron Judge news. You had the Kenny Atkinson firing. But there was something else that happened that was a a little bit more connected to me. While I was away, former WCBS sports director Ed Ingalls passed away at the age of 87. Now, Ed was somebody who got me my start in the business. And if you were on Twitter here the last few days, you know that I am not alone. Ed taught at Hofstra for 20 years, but before that, he taught at St. John's. And back in the early 90s, when I was a young guy looking for some direction in life, I had the the lucky happenstance to have a sports broadcasting class that was taught by Ed Ingalls. And I can tell you, and this is not going to be uh, something that I have – everybody's going to probably say something along the same lines ed was the nicest most down-to-earth one of the warmest people you could ever meet and this was a guy who did not have to be that way right like he was the sports director at the station probably at that point 20 years one of the, the the big voices on radio and doing what he was doing at that time and when you met him You you almost couldn't believe just how down to earth he was. So shortly after the semester started, he wanted to know about who who wants to serve as interns. He was always so positive. He's always so um, just so nice and so classy and and just respectful of everybody. It made you feel like you were equals, even though at that time I was (laughs) I was not. Um, And and that was how I got my start in the business, thanks to Ed Ingalls. And as I said, I'm not alone. Countless people. I mean, he taught at at Hofstra for 20 years. I think he probably taught at St. John's for a good 10 to 12, even before that. And the amount of people that that he impacted in this business and even people that did not go into this business. Nobody was worse off for having an interaction with Ed Ingalls. And I remember that first day when I walked into his office, he had this typewriter that looked like it was out of the Flintstones. And this is what he used. And he was a guy who, when you you know, got to know him, and not even like a long time, he trusted you. He believed in you. I remember one of the, I think it was the first week I was in doing an internship. He was like, hey, uh, coach is in the, uh, in, the, in the lobby. Could you go get coach? And I'm like, coach? I don't know. Coach who? I don't even know. How am I going to know who coach is? I go out there and it was Tom Landry. Oh, I guess that's Coach. All right, good. He was a Hall of Fame broadcaster, but uh, he was an even better person. Always positive. Always treated people with respect, class all the way. And me and countless other people would not be where we are without Ed Ingalls. And he passed away over the weekend at the age of 87. I just wanted to offer some condolences because he was a great guy. So many road trips with him. Going to different events and uh, definitely impacted my career and the career of countless other people. 1-800-919-ESPN, one 800 3776 So um, as if you're just waking up this morning, obviously the, the stories from the weekend are un- unlike uh, what Lewis and Whippany would like us to talk about the uh, XFL. No, they're about the um The Nets firing Kenny Atkinson, and for me, that would be one of the first names on the list. There was somebody who was on hold there for a second to uh, talk about uh, how great Mark Jackson was. Look, I'm not saying that Mark Jackson doesn't deserve another chance. It is interesting to me, despite all these people who are defenders of Mark Jackson, that he has not got another chance. That has to speak to something about Mark Jackson as a coach. But again, I'm not telling you that he does not deserve another chance someplace. I just would say that is not with the Knicks. If the Knicks go that route, it would be disappointing to me because that's much more of a guy who's going to win now. And I'm not saying that he didn't have any hands in developing Steph Curry. But if you want to go to where, if you're going to give, uh, look to coaching of what coach where had the biggest impact on unleashing the superstar that was Steph Curry, that to me, and I think to most people, outside of the Mark Jackson defenders, would be Steve Kerr much more so than Mark Jackson. And much like Kenny Atkinson, I think that he's a coach, Mark Jackson, who can take you from a certain level, right? Took over a rebuilding program, took over a team that uh, and a franchise that was really kind of no place and got them to a certain level. But they needed somebody else, and they recognized that, and they went out and got that person in Steve Kerr. So to me, I'm not saying that Mark Jackson doesn't deserve another chance someplace. I just don't think that that's the, the direction the Knicks should go. The Knicks have a lot more work to do than that. And there is nothing on the roster right now for the Knicks uh, outside of maybe R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson that I'm I'm convinced can be part of a winning team. And for them to go out last night and beat the Pistons, to me, again, that feels like just uh, another wasted opportunity, right? I mean, like, what does it matter that uh, that Julius Randle is leading the way and, and Alfred Payton is is keys in this season that's already been lost? All right, let's go back to the phones. one 800 I think this is the guy that was on hold there a second ago. Terry in the Bronx. Terry, what's going on, my man?
0: Yes. Now, I've been a, I've been a fan of the Golden State when Mark Jackson was there before you guys jumped on a bandwagon. Nobody would have. Ever... Gave Steph Curry an opportunity, but Mark Jackson to even see it like that. He would be well, a well, great Terry, guy. Terry, 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 Terry. He was taken eighth.
1: He was taken eighth in the draft, seventh in the draft. I mean, to say okay. that he would not have gotten an opportunity, he wasn't an undrafted free agent. I mean, he he was a, I mean, a first round pick. Come on, he was a lottery politics,
0: pick. So we know that's his dad. What? No, I mean, we, we, no, he, I mean he was somebody.
1: Yeah, well, no, his dad was somebody, but that's not, that's not why he got team drafted team. where he did.
0: The kid wasn't even looked at. If he would have never did what he did in Davidson, he was undersized and small. Nobody would have gave him an opportunity. Bro, so, 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 Terry,
1: which is it? The fact that he performed as he did at Davidson or because his father was Del Curry?
0: No, no, no. What I'm saying is that somebody saw the saw the, the future in his kid, and that was Mark Jackson. He's the only one. And probably somebody oh, that's like not me. true. I
1: mean, come on. Mark Jackson was the only person to identify Steph Curry. Come on. Alright, it's gonna do it for the show today. It's a strong one, I feel like. Back in the, back in this big chair. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully. We'll see you tomorrow at 5. 98.7 FM, ESPN New York.
0: This is The Gordon Damer Show, on 98.7 ESPN.